Romans 4, 20 through 25. And we'll see how this goes. It says, and he did not waver. The King James says stagger. He, talking about Abraham, did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. I'm going to talk to you tonight about faith and unbelief. They oppose each other. But he was strong in faith. You cannot be strong in faith and have unbelief. They can't live in the same, they can't exist together. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. I'm worried that in our churches today that a lot of believers are sort of persuaded, are almost persuaded, right? That God had promised and was able to perform. Are you fully persuaded tonight? Verse 22. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was credited to him, were not written for his sake only. Thank God. But also for us, to whom it shall be credited, if we believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead who was delivered for our transgression and was raised for our justification. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we pray that you give us faith tonight. Holy faith. Set apart faith. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Amen. So I want to talk to you about faith. When you begin to study faith, faith is the bridge that takes the people of God from one place to the next. It takes us from the natural to the supernatural. God will not use any other bridge. According to your faith, make it whole. And what is a bridge? It's a gap between two places. There is a gap between the natural man and the supernatural. If we're not careful, we will try all other ways to get across that bridge. It's got to be the supernatural power of God that's at work, not just in here. It's got to be at work in your life. By faith, you cannot... The word stagger means to tear off. A separation. You cannot get separated from God. Listen, faith is an amazing thing. It is a gift of the Spirit. There is the gift of faith. But it's also a fruit of the Spirit. By being with Him, the more that you're with Him, the more that fruit comes. You believe. You do what Abraham says. Hey, He promised. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what it looks like. You promise and I believe. Even if you tell me to murder the promised child you gave me, I believe when I stab it through the heart that you will resurrect it and raise him from the dead and he will always provide. you got to act in faith. So let me tell you something. (laughs) Get ready, TJ. We're going to jump all over the place. Mark 9. Look at this. I love it. Oh, if you could feel what I feel. I've been fighting the devil all afternoon. (laughs) Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Stop right there. If we stopped right here, we're all like, yeah. Yeah. All things are possible. Yeah. And you look at most of our lives and we're defeated. 
You know, I grew up, I told you this morning, kind of on the cusp of that last real Pentecostal movement. And we used to say, I've, I heard it when I was younger, you got the victory. Nowadays, we're just like, thank God that showed up. <laughs> we're not even worried about the victory. I'm just glad we have church people because the world's crazy. And that craziness has somehow taken over the world. Everybody in this room believes, right? Listen to me. I want to show you something. And everybody believes this scripture. I'm telling you, wouldn't be here on a Sunday night if you're not at this level. Now, James is going to have a problem with you saying you believe the scripture because James is going to say, that's the wrong kind of belief because the devils believe in God <laughs> and tremble. They believe. But he says, following that, I will show you my faith in God in that scripture by my works. I will manifest my belief in God through my doing. Amen? When we lay hands on the sick, do we manifest the belief? Or we just say, well, hope this works. <laughs> I believe God can heal him. Hope it works. Let's see. It's not the, that's not faith. Listen, go, go, look at the next one. And here's where we are. Immediately the father of the child. Now the child had, was possessed with a deaf and dumb spirit. And he had a lot of problems. His father was broken. And he said what all of us say tonight. Most of us. Some of you are living the victorious, faithful life. Most of us. I believe, Lord. But I need you to focus in on my unbelief. I, be I believe you. I do believe you. But I need you to target that unbelief. Right? So Hebrews 3 and 4, for Tom's sake, I'm going to kind of quote you. Now, let's read it. Let's just take, slow down and take a look at, look at it. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Be attentive, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil. Now listen. Be attentive, brothers. He is talking to the believer. Lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, and you depart from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if, if, I can take Hebrews 3 and completely defend my doctrine on once saved, against once saved, always saved. I can do it. You, I don't need any other chapters in the whole Bible. I believe in conditional eternal security. But I can take this right here and show you the word if changes it all. It's a found doctrine. If we hold the beginning of our confidence firm to the end. You can't just start. You got to end. Verse 15. Did I give it to you? Skip to 16 and 19. We'll keep reading. For who um, were they who heard and rebelled? Was it not all of those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with those who had sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom um, did he swear they would not enter his rest, but those who disbelieved, disobeyed? So we see that they could not enter in because of their actions. 
No, because of their heart, their unbelief. Their unbelief kept them from the promise. You got to see this. He says, help my unbelief. And now he's given us a pattern. Now, look, we, we go from chapter three to chapter four. And we've made this because we're men to keep so we don't have to read this giant letter and try to find it. He doesn't stop writing. So pick up at four, five and six. And it says, and again, in this present passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it. Um, and they to whom it was first preached did not enter due to what? Unbelief. And now verse 11, and I'm going to explain everything I just read. Let us labor. You got to go after it. It don't just come to enter that rest, lest anyone fall by the same pattern of unbelief. So what does that mean to us today? Of course, he's writing to the Jews here. They understand the history and the Exodus, and they understand everything that happened. I'll tell you what it means for us today. There's a lot of people, when you say unbelief, they don't realize that the reason that they failed to enter the promise of God, the rest of God. Listen, do you look around the church today and see people that have a peace and a rest in their heart? No, most of the time you don't. Most people do not have that rest in God that he can do it. It's the same way with them. God spoke to them. Faith comes by what? Hearing and what? Hearing the word of God. And God spoke to them and said, I've raised up a deliverer. I will give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I will bless you because I've covenanted it with you. He's done the same with us through Jesus Christ. He promises us peace and joy and all the gifts of the Spirit and power over sin and power over the enemy. And yet because we don't really believe that he means what he says he means, we let our unbelief take us and we never access the bridge to the supernatural power of God. If you don't believe with all everything in you that he loves you, you'll never appropriate by faith the things he wants you to. All things are possible to those that believe. He said, I don't even need, I don't even need your faith to be anything but a mustard seed. And you can say to the biggest mountain in front of you, be removed. I don't care what you're facing tonight. You have to believe he loves you. And you have to believe he cares about you. And you have to believe there is a promised land called heaven waiting on you. Even when you don't feel it, that's why it's called Take up the shield of what? Faith. When he hammers you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. That's when faith is tested. My faith works by what? Love. I said it this morning. If I don't believe with all my heart that he's not just tolerating me, but he actually really delights in me, I will never appropriate faith and I will never speak faith. I will never talk faith. I will never have faith in my life. Caleb, my servant, God said this and I'm like, when I read it, I'm like, God, I want you to say that about me. I don't care what anybody says. I want you to say that. He's talking to Moses. He said, Caleb, my servant has another spirit. Well, what is his spirit? I'll tell you what it was. When they see all the giants and everything in the eyes didn't make sense, 
is that they're bread for us. I'll eat them like a sandwich. These guys are nothing because our God is so great. And I have my faith in his promise, not in the circumstance, not in the giant. I don't care what you're facing tonight. Your God is faithful and you can believe in him. He will come through. That's why every epistle Paul had to remind the church because we start tilting sometimes. He has to say, be confident in this. Be confident. That means have faith in that he that began a good work in you, he will perform it. The things that he's told our church. Listen, when you look at empty pews like this tonight, the enemy knows that I can't stand empty pews. And he begins to talk to me. Oh, the church is going down. The church is this. The church is that. Doug even said something to me about it. The Lord, he said he was praying for me and he knew the devil is just chirping right here. Cha, 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 cha. Everything he promised us 18 years ago, he will perform. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Now we have, how do you know what happened to a lot of people that was with us? They stopped believing. Simple and why couldn't the first generation get it in the promised land? Quit believing. Why do you think he says, be careful lest you have an evil heart of unbelief? Listen, he's talking to the brethren. Most of us could look around and say, well, we don't really have an evil heart. God thinks that evil unbelief is worse than pornography. You listen to me. Yeah, I know. Y'all weren't ready for that. Unbelief he cannot do anything with. I'll tell you how bad it is. He came to his disciples. This guy said, hey, I took my son to your disciples, a different guy with a different son. And they couldn't cast the spirit out of him. And Jesus said, bring him here. And he cast the spirit out and they came to him. And he said, you faithless and perverse generation. To his own boys. You know why? Unbelief leads to perverseness. It leads to a perverted mind of who God is. I don't care in your circumstances right now. You have to keep the faith. You have to keep the faith. I was reading one of his old Bibles Saturday, and the story of Naaman, he had written, I guess when he was a young man, he preached on it. This is an old Bible. He had circled the girl that was in the foreign land that spoke up and said to his master, hey, Naaman, to Naaman's wife, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. And he wrote beside it, she was keeping the faith. She was a faith keeper in the middle of the enemy's lines. We're in this world and we're surrounded by the enemy. We are strangers and we are pilgrims. And we can keep the faith, church. We can keep holding on and believing that those things that he promised, he will perform. I hold it, Lord. I hold on to your promise. I hold it. I don't feel it, but I'm holding it. I don't see it. Listen, I see so many people, and I've been there. He says, don't cast off your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. We lose our confidence in God when things don't make sense. Jesus is, all, all he ever dealt with the disciples, go look at it. He dealt with them really about two topics, always. The greatest is going to be your servant, boys. It's not about your position. And then he always dealt with them about their faith, their unbelief. 
Lord, do you not care that the ship is going down? You're asleep, Lord. I need to remind you, even though you created the universe, the storm is outside. He's like, oh, you have little faith. He gets up and just says, peace, be still. Can't you see him? Can't you see him? Can't you see us? When God comes through, we're like, whoa. God actually is God. He cares about us. He loves us. Listen, I feel like there's two types of people tonight that need to hear this. The one, you're about to face something or you're facing something that's huge. You need to keep the faith. Hang on. Don't stagger. Don't let that circumstance tear you from God. And number two, I feel like there's people in here that you don't believe he loves you. There's unbelief. When bad things happen, you begin to question, well, maybe it's some sin in my life, or maybe it's something I've done, or maybe this is God's wrath. That unbelief is disgusting to God because he knows what he did for us. I lived so many years and preached so many sermons that were so hard because I didn't understand and really believe he loved me. It was unbelief. I didn't believe that he loved me. Right? I've just got a few more scriptures. Can God save your neighbor? How do you know if you've got faith, church? I put this down. The evidence of your faith is rest. There remains therefore now a rest to the people of God who have stopped doing their thing. He's talking to them right there about unbelief. Caleb and Joshua had rest because they knew God was going to come through. We, we sang it tonight. God is able. He's well able. Right? I just want to figure out where I am in my notes. Let, let's look at this one last thing. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers terribly. He often falls in the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Let, let me stop. Keep that up. Go back to that verse and stop. There is a work that happened in Redding, California. It's kind of going like every major revival that's happened. Men do their job and ruin it. Same thing with Brownsville and Azusa Street. You can read them all. Give men enough time to get their hands on a revival and they can pretty much destroy it. There was this awesome movement that's still alive right now called Bethel Church in Redding, California. And the pastor's name is Bill Johnson. Let me tell you what happened to start the Bethel movement. Not some great prayer meeting yet. Not some just 
random act of grace just showing up in a service. Like some, some movements, God just all of a sudden, they came like normal and God was there and he stayed there and saved every one of them. Evan Roberts and the revival and there were prayer behind it and all that. But Bethel, this woman had a son who was demon possessed. And she brought him to Pastor Bill Johnson and the elders of the church and said, I can't do anything with him. Can you pray for him? And Bill Johnson said, we prayed for him and nothing happened. And the woman, he said, I'll never forget it. The woman looked at me with tears running down her eyes and said, can no one help me? Man, I feel God. We have to have the real deal. That's what's happening right here. So Bill Johnson didn't just keep going business as usual. He started to really want to understand how faith works. He wanted to be able to, and listen, many times he laid hands on sick people in restaurants and on airplanes, and before you knew it, everybody in the restaurant was saved because of him and his staff, because that day was a turning point for their faith. But I wonder if they brought him to you. What would happen? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to tell our ministry staff to pray for him. No, but the kid's right here. Well, can't you pray for him? Well, I'll say some kind of prayer. Is this making any sense? We're expected to walk in faith. Let's finish this. So 17. Then Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse. That's the part I was talking about, generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. He came out of him, and the child was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. They sure didn't want to talk to him publicly. And said, why could we not cast him out? What did Jesus say? Because you're unbelief. Do we really believe that God can really heal? Are we going to ever get tired, church, of people in our church coming with cancer and leaving with cancer? I'm going to try better and I'm going to do better. No, no, no. You're going to have to understand better. Paul said it. You can put that down. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's yet not I that live, but Christ that lives through me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. There's the key to faith. And he gave himself for me. I cannot operate in my faith. Well, every man's been given a measure of faith. Well, go try to use your measure. And I'm going to do what Paul did. And I'm going to use the faith of the Son of God. So when you walk up here, I'm telling you, 
When we lay hands on people, it does not have to be a minister that lays their hands on them. It could be a believer. I've watched God heal so many people when I was not in ministry, when I was first saved and in love with him. And I was just that crazy faith that comes out like a child. God said he heals. Well, he's going to heal. I don't let any of that other garbage. And the older you get, the more this other stuff creeps in. It's nasty and filthy and it doesn't work. And it mixes with your faith and it pollutes it. When we lay hands on people, I'm not going to see if it happens. I'm going to know it happens. I like today. We prayed for a guy's back. And when we're done, Dr. K said, is your back feeling any better? You know, normally we'd just pray and keep going. He says, is your back feeling any better? No, pray again. And he grabbed him and started to pray. That's how we have to appropriate our faith. Do you believe that God said he will save you and your household? Let's take it somewhere else. Do we really believe that or do we just say that? Is that just a scripture, right? He promised to save you and your household. He promised to save every family member. You have to believe it. And then when you understand it's his job, you enter to the rest. God, I had this sweet girl from Teen Challenge come to me Friday night and say, I'm scared to death. To go back to South Carolina. She said, my husband and my son are there. And I do drugs with my husband. And I'm scared if I go back there that I'm going to fall into drugs. And I said, I, I said, it just my heart went out for her. But I realized she, I said, when do you leave? Four and a half months? I said, the devil is robbing you every day of the joy of the Lord and your salvation by your worry and your fret for four and a half months. I said, I want you to do something. I'm telling you, it wasn't me. God came over me because I didn't know what to say. And I said, when you go to bed tonight, before you fall asleep, I want you to take this situation and I want you to release it to God. And I don't want you to worry about it again. I want you to, every time that worry starts to creep over you, you remind God, no, 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 this is yours. I trust you. You are going to come through. And I promised her that every night that I went to bed, I would pray about that situation to, so she didn't have to worry about it. I said, enjoy yourself here. Eat the word of God. They're preaching to you every day. You're reading, enjoy and grow in God. You know, Corey Tin Boone said something that's so awesome. She said that if you're not careful, worrying about tomorrow will rob you of today's strength. It doesn't change one thing about tomorrow. It just robs you of today. There's a rest. And I watched it come over that girl. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, what do you do if nobody's there to talk to you? You read your Bible. And you read it out loud if you have to. And if you don't believe it, you keep reading it till it gets a hold of you. 
Some of you tonight need to take situations that you're fearful and you worry about and you need to appropriate in faith the victory. You need to reach out and say, God, this is your problem. I belong to you. You care about me. You love me. You care about this situation. Listen, sometimes church people are cruel. They'll look at people's situation and be like, oh, well, that's not really a big deal. Well, yeah, it's not a big deal to you. Let's just get over that. Yeah, until you have it happen to you and all of a sudden you need the elders around you and we're dumping oil on you. How do you know what somebody is big and small to somebody? Put it in his hand and don't take it back and say, God, I believe you. And if you have to say, I need thee faith, of the Son of God who loves me and who gave himself for me that I could have the victory. Amen? I think I could belabor this point a long time. There's a whole chapter in the Bible, Hebrews 11. If you're struggling with unbelief, read Hebrews 11. It's the faith chapter. I want to say one other thing that God was showing me. Without faith... It is impossible to please God. We know that. But I don't know that we really know it. I think it's good in here. And I don't think it's really good in here. Look at your life. Do you live a life of faith? Maybe you do. Great. Keep on. I encourage you. Keep on. Exhort one another daily so that they won't go into unbelief. If you're not careful, we'll sink into a rut as a church that we stop believing that God is gonna prom has promised us things. He's going to give us things. And it's not just things in here. It's in your families. And it's in outside of these four walls. Yes. We can't get in that rut of just coming to service as usual. That's unbelief. we got to believe again. He will do it. What He promised, He will perform. We have to stand on it. To hold to it. God, forgive me my unbelief. I've stopped praying for my loved ones that are unsaved. Well, is that unbelief? Yeah. You quit praying because you stopped believing he was going to answer. It's unbelief. I'm telling you, the number one sin in the church is unbelief. It's unbelief. It's in different areas of our lives. We have to believe again. Everybody stand with me. Do you know that the real meaning of the word unbelief in the Greek is unfaithful? Do you know that? Go look it up. When you go to the Greek concordance and where he's talking about unbelief, every time he uses the word unbelief, it means unfaithful. When I read that, I was like, what, what are you saying with that? When we get unbelief in our life is when we quit being faithful to this, to connecting. Listen, we have to get to a place in our church where everybody in the church 
is asking God they covet the best gifts according to Scripture. God might have given you the gift of faith. But even if you don't have the gift of faith, you can have the fruit of faith. You can have both. Smith Wigglesworth laid his hand on this guy. He was in Australia. He was in a bed with a nurse. They brought him from the hospital there because they heard that at this meeting, people get raised from the dead and people get healed. And so he's dying. The nurse says, look, look at his heartbeat. Like he is dying. And Smith Wigglesworth says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And he moves to the next one. And he moves to the next one. And the nurse is like, how dare he? Did he not hear? He's dying? And he's moved about down to about nine people. And all of a sudden, he says, his son-in-law's writing what he says because he never wrote anything. His son-in-law's writing and he says, Smith turned around and somebody was tapping him on the shoulder. And it was a guy in a bed gown and he was shouting and rejoicing. And he was like, hey, I'm healed. And Smith said, Wigglesworth said, yeah. And he prayed for the next one. Because he didn't have to clap his hands and shout and spin around. He knew that all he had to do was say, in the name of Jesus, touch him. And he moved to the next one. No, I'm guilty. Sometimes I think I got to get my jacket off and get my sleeves rolled up. And there's sometimes we got to do war. Listen, we don't tarry enough, so don't misunderstand me. We need to tarry more in the presence of God. But sometimes we think our faith is working it up. I'm so guilty of that. Well, let me get my jacket off and let me get my sleeves rolled up. You know, we do it. Let me get loosed up. I gotta, we got to really go after it. This is a big need. Smith Urgoldsurf said, oh, he's dying in the name of Jesus. Next, in the name of Jesus. Next, in the name of Jesus. Now, if that guy tapped us on the shoulder, we'd be, woo, stop the music, pull him up. Hey, somebody was raised from, the, he was almost dead, wouldn't we? I would. Wigglesworth was like, oh, okay. Let me pray for the next person. <laughs> of course God healed is what he was saying. Of course you're raised up. We called on the name of the Lord. That's where we got to get to. That is not an impossible thing. If you believe that's impossible, then you have unbelief. I love that story. I just loved it. It was like so good to me. So when we pray for people, let's pray for them. And let's just realize whose hands the results are in. I'm talking to myself, I'm telling you. Sometimes I think I'm gonna blow a blood vessel in my brain, I'm praying so hard. Instead of just let the rest come. Amen? So if you're walking through something tonight, if you're facing an impossibility, Jesus said, all things are possible to those that believe. All things. 